Hey there, live like your nail color gals. Love is a wonderful thing, don't you think? And a hard thing, and sometimes a tricky thing, especially after you've been through a tough relationship or you've lost a partner. You may have noticed in a few past episodes that I mentioned that not long ago, Bill and I got married. In fact, in episode 30 that came out during the Thanksgiving holiday here in the United States, I shared several things that I was grateful for in 2022. One of those was getting married again, second time for both of us, after 17 years of being together at a barbecue where only family and a few friends knew that a ceremony was going to take place. And surprising everyone was so dang fun. We so wanted to make it fun and full of joy and laughter because our journeys as individuals and as a couple was long, unexpected, challenging, and not at all what either of us saw coming. So to be at this point was something to celebrate. People have been curious, asking me for more details. So I asked Bill if he'd be willing to openly share a bit of our journey. Not because our relationship is any perfect role model, no, or will be exactly like yours, but because in life's twists and turns with pain and joy, there's still hope for love again. It's our desire that in the details we share, you find yourself nodding, laughing, and feeling encouraged about the love you have or you would like to have in your own life. And at the end, I share five takeaways that I think are worth a trip. But feel free to fast forward if you've just had enough of our explanation and and our story. Last thing before we dive into our conversation, since this is the Live Like Your Nail Color podcast, have you taken my quiz to determine your nail color persona? All you have to do is go to livelikeyournailcolor.com forward slash quiz, answer a few quick questions, and in your results, you'll get your specific nail color persona your built-in strengths, and how to tap into those strengths when chip happens. Again, go to livelikeyournailcolor.com forward slash quiz. Now, let's get to my conversation with Bill. Tired of so much chip happening? Discouraged by so much downer news? Weary from chronic crisis? Don't let the chips keep you down. Welcome to the Live Like Your Nail Color podcast, where the tips of your fingers and toes are ready to inspire you to not give up and to keep creating the business, career, and life you want. In each episode, we flip the chip and let our fun nail color with that crazy fun name cheer us on to remember our strengths, embrace the power of choice, see life as an adventure, and know resilience is only a touch-up or change-up away. Get ready for a good time and a good laugh with your host, Mary Foley. Welcome back, Live Like Your Nail Color Gals. Okay, so it is right now the middle of February, and there are two things in my life that I always think of in the middle of February. One of them is my birthday. All right. I was born on February 17th, and uh, every year it seems to happen. People say, when's your birthday? I'm like, February 17th, every single year, because <laughs> I'm not given the year. Actually, no, I'm turning 58. Can't believe it. How did that happen? Anyway, um, I, I figure I was born in the middle of February. Why? Because it's kind of like a doldrum month in a way. You know, we're all waiting for spring or uh, we're all over the holidays. And so anyway, it just helps us all get through, at least for me. I remember that growing up. The second reason, though, that um, 
you know, in, in the middle of February, that's it's kind of special or uplifts us all is, well, Valentine's Day, right? It's the day of love, celebrating love. But, you know, here's the thing with Valentine's Day. Sometimes it's a big downer. If you don't have someone special in your life, you can feel like, ugh, I'm losing out. You know, uh, life is not nearly as fun. I'm looking for love, maybe in all the wrong places. But, you know, you can just feel not so great that you don't have that relationship or you have a relationship and it isn't really what you want or it's not fulfilling anymore. Well, today is a special episode, a different episode, because it's going to be with myself and now my husband. Bill Eastman. Now, here's the deal, gals. Bill and I have had two times around at this. All right. We both had a first marriage. Here's the second one. But we only got married a few months ago. Now, we've been together over 17 years, but we got married actually in October of 2022. And so, as I was thinking about Valentine's Day and this month of love, I asked Bill, would you be willing to just openly share a little bit about like how we got here but and also what we've learned because here's the thing we didn't necessarily think that there was going to be a second time around or another time around for us of love of someone who deeply cares about us and is in our corner and um i'll tell you right now bill was not the expected package all right <laughs> it just wasn't But that doesn't mean it isn't everything that he is perfect for me. And so uh, we decided, uh, and I asked him, I said, why would anybody care about our relationship or our stories or things that we've learned? And he said, hope, hope for love again. And love is a big reason why to get up in the morning and uh, to get going and do whatever you're going to do. And so with that, um, I'm just going to welcome Bill to the Live Like Your Nail Color podcast, and I'm not even going to ask him what's his nail color persona, which I normally do. So, Bill, thank you for doing this. Oh, you're welcome, Mary. And yeah, don't ask me because I would say naked nails, but that actually is a color. (laughs) So, you know, isn't that kind of like that French thing where it's naked, except you get a little whites on the end? I don't Uh, know. No, that's French manicure. And oh, okay. Well, I know nothing naked about Nelly, naked Ned, you know, naked Ned. Okay. So that's well, you have nothing on your nails, which I know is true. All right. And you're willing to be your true, authentic self and show it to the world. Do you think that's you? Oh, I think so. The only time I wear nail polish was that time I split my toe open. And uh, I had to hold on to the nails. So I was using Mary's nail polish, but it was clear. <laughs> so you couldn't tell unless you got close enough to my feet. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, you don't want to get that close to yeah. it anyway. But, <laughs> I, you know, back in the day, I'm really dialing back now when I used to wear hose and so many women did. Some people still do and they can be good looking. I'm just saying you get a run. Best way to stop that run is do some clear nail polish and, you know, and, and to make that stop, which is probably not a little handy tip that you knew, Bill. I hope not. Anyway. Uh, no, I didn't know that. But but thank you. I'm always I'm always learning from you. Okay. So, so thank you for, for doing this. I, you know, 
you, we could start with the end or we could start with the beginning a little bit just to kind of, I think the thing is, is that, you know, people meet us today and they don't know our story, but of course we meet other couples. We don't know their story either. We've been on this planet a few decades, right? We got a little bit of time in and experience. Um, it hasn't all been easy when it comes to the subject of, of a love and our love lives by a long shot. I'm happy. We're happy where we are right now and, and as individuals, as, as a couple. But if we dial back, some people, you know, it's always kind of curious. We, You know, when we sometimes meet new people because we've recently moved to a new town and we meet couples in particular, or we meet anybody and they're like, oh, so how did you guys get together? And we look at each other like, how are we going to answer that question? <laughs> That's right. How much of the story are we going to tell? How much are we going to really tell? But I think one of the things we never say is, well, we were first married, right? I mean, we don't go like, well, back in 19 such and such. But I think yeah. it's important to really, I mean, part of our story, love story is that we were married to other people at first. I mean, we had those other relationships. Uh, you know, we both got divorced at the time. What you You were divorced and you already had three children. That's correct. Yeah. And they were growing. And um, uh, I have, of course, had none. I don't have a dog or a cat or a fish, even for that matter. So there wasn't so much that. But, you know, I was married to what I call the man of my dreams, who was actually my living nightmare because he was abusive uh, on all levels. And then I I got I left and I got out of there. It was a much different situation. You know, years you know, ended not because of any kind of violence or any kind of abuse. It just, how would you describe? Well, I, I think that one of the challenges you got is I don't think a lot of people really understand uh, the complexity and the depth of your marriage vows. And I don't think a lot of people understand, um, you know, sickness and health till death do you part. And so I think part of the challenge is on just how difficult that becomes. Yeah, especially when the relationship starts souring. And I know that you worked hard on yours to try to salvage it. Um, and I did, too. So, you know, I married my childhood sweetheart. We were in high school together and I, you know, I was really connected to her. But over the years, just stuff piled up, you know, the things of life, children. And as we were growing, we were growing at different paces. And then pretty soon, we weren't the uh, the person that the other person needed. In kind of global or macro terms, that would be my explanation in more detail, is I just, my, my heart went cold, and it shouldn't have. And I never gave her enough compassion for what she was going through. And so that was one of the reasons it failed was on, on my part. I I wasn't up to the task of through sickness and health or all the craziness mm -hmm. that happens in a, in a long relationship. And then on top of it, having children, and I see what divorce does to children. I was, I was adamant that I was going to hang in for as long as I could to get the kids through high school. And you did. And I did. You did do that. You did meet that. But it, yeah, it doesn't just impact you. It impacts the children, everyone in your you know immediate family in, in that time. I, it really is, it's not really surprising until you get into it, because you don't think about this, particularly the first time around, is if you don't grow together as you evolve, you're going to grow apart. It's almost like 
in some ways, unless you're proactive and working towards staying connected, that communication, working through conflict, work uh, supporting each other as individually, you need to grow career, personally or otherwise, or who knows, an accident happens. I mean, there's so many different variables, but it's 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 almost like if you don't cling to one another and figure that out, the world or all the circumstances in life are going to try to rip you apart. Yeah, and and after a while, you just feel alone. Yeah, I I definitely felt like that. Yeah, and that's how I felt. So I acted alone. So when after you got uh, divorced, how did that impact? Just the whole that that whole thing that you just said having having all that uh time in with you know and, and life taken in some ways it's toll life all these life experiences uh adding up how did it impact if you were looking for love again and if so what you were looking for well uh first of all i had made up my mind that i wouldn't remarry okay so that was number one and it's like okay uh, i've done it I was married long enough. The kids are grown. And so I didn't really see the need to have somebody close in my life because I hadn't had anybody close in my life in a long time. And I was doing okay without it. So number one was I didn't intend to get remarried. Number two is you you take those experiences that you had while you were married, and then you look at all the married couples around you. And without what what a couple exceptions. I I didn't want to have any of the relationships that they were having. And as a married person, a prior married person, you can see and you know you can tell oh, someone, yeah. right? You, mm-hmm. you you can see going, man, I I'm glad I'm not married to her or I'm glad I, oh, or I'm glad I'm not married to him, so to speak. In other words, when you watch their behavior and you're going, um, I'm not sure how this couple's going to make it. Yeah. So I just looked at it and it's things like, you know, my challenge, my heart grew cold to my wife for a number of reasons, which are, would be inappropriate here. Uh, but also I, I couldn't stretch myself any further. And also is the, it was the issue of, do I really need another life partner? And so I was like, no, I really don't. Mm-hmm. And I was focused now that the kids were out. I was focused on my businesses. Yeah. So, and, and anybody out there who does startups knows that it's, it is all consuming. It is a mistress. And in this particular case, since I wasn't married, I didn't have a mistress either. Well, what you'd said earlier, too, was is that, that you were already operating without somebody, you know, emotionally. Right. So, so when you said, I think I was doing okay, I'd say, like, it sounds like you were operating and surviving, but doesn't mean you couldn't, it couldn't mean your life couldn't be better or you could experience a more fullness uh, in life if you had. A love relationship, but I understand it wasn't feeling like I got this big hole. You didn't identify it yeah. that way. You just went, okay, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. And then we met, right? That's right. <laughs> and that was it. And so when we met, how do you describe that, that first meeting? How do you describe like when people are like, how did you meet Mary? What do you say? Well, it was, it was a professional meeting and uh, Mary's company had hired our company to come in and do some work for them. They were growing so fast that it was um, it was overwhelming internal resources and they made the decision to outsource or get a partner at some of the things that they didn't have the cap- capacity, whether it was the ability or just the people to do. 
And the first time I met you, I was like, who's that little pixie? <laughs> you always said pixie. Why is yeah, it? that's right. Right. Well, and part of that is, you know, people can't see us. And I'm glad for that, at least me, is that our heights are quite different. You're, <laughs> you're, we had a foot difference. There's a foot difference in our yeah. size, but you were this bundle of energy. And you were pretty clear on what you wanted, but on the other hand, were willing to listen. And then, and you were somebody, and in the consulting business, it's very difficult to be totally honest with clients because you never know when a statement gets you fired. Mm-hmm. And in the consulting business, we have this mindset you get hired to get fired because you get hired to tell the truth. Mm-hmm. And uh, if uh, you're dealing with uh, executives in a firm, they got plenty of people who tell them what they want to hear. Mm-hmm. And so after a while, our relationship developed that I could be honest about what were some of the shortfalls in my organization so you could plan around it. Yep. So that we could do a better job for you. Um, I was I took the risk because I, I thought I could trust you to tell you things that you should hear, which I didn't share with almost any other client because it would have it, it, it the, the relationship would have soured based on it yeah you might have lost the entire count oh a- absolutely and you know we're talking numbers with commas in them yeah right yeah that, that. well okay so when people ask me that question oh how did you meet bill you know i say well i hired him to work for me <laughs> And, and of course, you know, it's like a power play, like, oh yeah. But what it really was, and the version was, is that I was working for AOL as a head of corporate training. And yes, I was looking for hiring a third party organization to help build the company's first management training program. And I reached out to the organization that you were working with at the time, right? And I, whom I knew of, and I knew the, you know, the who the owner was. I mean, it was a brand name then, all that stuff. And so I just reached out this big corporation and then they sent you and another guy, Kevin, and, you know, who was uh, an account exec. And then I still remember, you know, getting the phone call that said in the reception, like, Mary, you know, you have some guests here. It had already been planned. I came out and obviously that's when the pixie part showed up, I guess, yep. at that point. And I, I, you know, introduced myself and I said, come on back. And we sat in the conference room and then, you know, thus it began. And, you know, I wasn't looking for love. I was married to my husband at the time. We had gotten back together after being separated. We were working hard at that marriage. And I was big on you end one thing before you start another. So the last thing on my mind is anyone who could potentially in the future be you know, a love relationship. I was trying to get this management training thing program done or started because that was the biggest thing on my plate. And I was going to be rewarded, evaluated. And basically, if I didn't get it done, get it done well, I might actually have been fired and let go. And yeah. so it was a career maker or a career breaker. Career breaker. For me. Yeah. yeah. So, so I wanted you know, someone who had more experience and organization had more depth. I mean, it was just me. And uh, as the head of corporate training, I didn't have a staff at that time. And so um, anyway, that's how, that's how that went. But here's what I always remembered is you and the other, and the account exec, Kevin, but you were the main consultant. So you were like the brains of the operation. So as I'm talking about the details, I always sensed I could be completely honest with you you didn't freak out about anything. 
And then you had very thoughtful responses and answers, and you provided that depth of knowledge and experience that I needed, you know, that sense of confidence. I don't want to screw this up. And then as things went on, just what you'd said, you said, oh, I can, well, let me tell her a little bit more. Let me give her some more advice. Because of course, it's like in any relationship, it starts out at, at you know, one layer of the onion. And then as things evolve, or as you do more together and interact, then there's other layers that get um, uh, exposed, you might say, or revealed because, you know, you can trust people more and things are are happening that you need to uh, reveal more. So, So that's how we met. So we were actually working together on this big project for a couple of years. Yeah. You had no idea what was going on in my personal life. I had no idea what was going on in your personal life. We were all business. We were friendly. We were good colleagues. Um, and then things changed a bit, right? Yeah, they did change a bit. And you had cycled off the project. Other people were now, you know, in the driver's seat. Uh, you didn't really need there need to be there. Things were kind of humming along in a system, right? Then I got invited to come to this um, client conference that your company put on. And the other guy, account exec Kevin, invited me to present and say, hey, this is the wonderful things that we're doing at AOL and with AOL. And I was all excited. And it, But what you didn't know is when I came out to that, even though I was wearing my wedding ring, I had been separated for at least three months. It was the second separation, and this time it was going to take. And the only reason I was wearing my wedding ring is because I didn't want people to ask me why I wasn't or, yeah. oh my gosh, or what's going on. But I proactively told you at the very end of that, here's kind of what's happening. And not because I was interested in a relationship with you, but because I thought, well, maybe, you know, I might change my career direction and go into training and consulting like you were doing. Right. That's right. I to talk to you about that. That's right. In fact, the owner of the company actually put a proposal in front of you about joining us because he had talked to me about it. And I, I had said, yeah, I think she would be a good fit. And so it, as it turned out, it, it didn't work out. And that was probably to your benefit. Yeah, I'm glad I didn't. You know, the big scheme yeah. things, but it was Again, nice. Without, without talk. talking about that company. Yeah. But, you know, what that did, though, is that they had offered to you because we had we occasionally would be talking about the the accounts we work in and who we working with. And were there anybody that we thought if they were interested in jumping, we were interested in, in bringing in. And so your name had come up and I said, yeah, I think she's, cause you definitely have the chutzpah uh, to get in front, front of a group of people and you, and I thought you would be good in sales. And so they were, they were interested in you. And in fact, they actually made an offer at that event to if you were interested to come in yep that's right and i you know career-wise it's a different you know part of the story i i didn't but i remember just sharing with you well here's you know you you because you had said well i didn't think you would be interested in anything like this because you saw me as someone who was you know committed to my marriage and probably would not want to be on the road and all that stuff. And, and I, which was thoughtful and observant. And I was like, I didn't tell him any of that, but he's picking up on stuff. I, I, I knew the life and I didn't think yeah. you wanted the life because the, the life of a consultant. Yeah. Uh, the, financially it's good, but the lifestyle isn't. Yeah. Relationally it's hard. Um, well, you don't have any relations. <laughs> yeah, That's how it is. 
you have clients and you have your colleagues that you work with occasionally. And that's kind of your world. So I still remember when I said, uh, well, the reason I'm even considering this and want to explore it is I said, well, you know, I'm I'm separated right now. And and uh, so it might be a possibility. And then later I asked you, what were you really thinking at that moment? Because now I'm basically saying. I'm available like it, but it's it's a factoid in my life. It's a fact I had separated. It's a fact that I was considering other options in terms of my career. And tell me, share what, what you said went through your mind. Uh, uh Oh yeah. Uh Oh, because I was attracted, I was attracted to you and I was attracted to your energy. Um, I was attracted to your, your insights, your brains, and you're a good looking woman. So, you know, and for me, uh, looks are three on the list intelligence and attitude are one and two for me for, for dating women. Yeah. They look great. That like, that's the bonus. (laughs) Well, that's good because I can keep up the intelligence and the attitude way better than I can about the sagging skin. Okay. I totally. Oh, that's true. Cause I, we had a couple of uh, assistants working with us and these were very attractive women and what they weren't bettering themselves. And I used to tell them all the time, you hit 50. That uh, bat in your eye stuff ain't going to work. No, it could be even before 50, right? Yeah, yeah, well, I was being nice to them. I know, yeah. Well, so so in that moment, you had to, to go, oh, well, I even opened myself up to this. Right. I had to at least I ponder to, it because yeah. I, hadn't, I had not considered it. Mm-hmm. And, of course, in the consulting business, the, there's two things that will get you fired immediately. One is stealing accounts, and two is having a relationship with clients. Mm-hmm. Those are the two things you can't Those are taboos you can't do. Well, and and I knew it just just didn't seem like ethical <laughs> to be yeah. having a relationship with someone that I've hired, uh, you know, their company anyway, not him directly, but you know, you're you're part of it. And so I was, you know, I was like, oh, and I, but I felt some of those feelings as well. And I here was the thing that I remember at that moment. Up until that moment, I didn't even allow myself to feel anything towards you. But when I actually said those words and shared this about my life, I found myself actually going, oh, wow, maybe I really do like him. I mean, I really do like our communication. I really do like our interaction. Um, and I was now thinking of that same interaction in a in a, in a more romantic way, in a new in a new way. When I say romantic, I really like it got to me a little more personally. Um, and that really was the beginning of, we started dabbling. I like to think of it as dabbling with dating, right? Long distance, wasn't very consistent in term. We talked a lot because that's one thing we could do. Um, but it, it, to me, it was totally uncharted waters. And here's the thing. And I think there's a lot of women who can relate to this. Okay. So I ended up obviously getting, getting divorced I did a lot of therapy. It helped a lot because I wanted to understand why, where I contributed to my now uh, first marriage. And also in that, how can I pick better? Like what part of my radar is broken? And I was trying to get a new radar. And so, um, you know, I was practicing a lot on you. And I thought it was always funny because I just told you, you know, and you even said what? I might be a rebound guy. Remember that? Yeah, well, I, I, I said that I said that to you a couple of times because I had a fear of that. And also I was going through we uh, uh we were 
we were trying to build an operation that eventually uh, didn't happen. I'll leave it at that. And then I got involved in another company that went belly up. And so I had a ton of things going on in my life that were all distractions that just made it far more difficult for me to focus. Because after um, after the one company, the, the second company went down, I mean, I had to basically re- uh, resurrect myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's so many men, not completely all men, not completely. This doesn't negate that women don't feel this way. But for men in particular, my observation is, is that, you know, their identity is a lot connected and wrapped up into what they do and their success or lack of success of what they do. So if things aren't going well in the office or in your business, you know, you're not necessarily a happy person and you don't really think in some ways you're worthy of something more. Well, and you don't want to bring that to the relationship because that's going to, that's going to sour pretty fast. Yeah. But it does come to, it does impact the relationship. It I know. Impact your availability, your emotional availability, your time availability. Uh, it can impact, you know, whether or not you want to jump all in because that's what happened over years. I always call that the uncharted waters in my mind, the wilderness years. And it was years, which yeah. was, we had some great times. We had some fun times. We had some gaps in there. Uh, and there were times where I was like, I'm going to go date other people. And I did. You just remember, there's this one time here. Here's here was to me, told me a lot about you. OK, so imagine this, gals. So I call him up one day and I, not just one day, but this is one time. And I was like, Bill, I've got some good news and I got some other news. And you go, what's what's the good news? Or I said, maybe it was the bad news. I'm gonna, uh, yeah, no, no, no I, I, I want to hear the bad news first. Bad news. You said, what's the bad news first? I was like, well, last night I went out on a date. There's crickets on the other end of the line. And I'll, okay. And I'm, you were probably like, gut to, I don't know, you know, knife to the heart. I don't know. But you had even said, maybe you need to date other people and just go I, out. Like, I did. Right? It, it, was a, it was a painful thing to say to you, but it was... It was the best thing for you because I wasn't sure that I was the best thing for you. So, okay. And I heard all that. And so I went out on this date and I was like, hey, bad news, good news. What's the bad news? I I went out on this date. But I knew it wouldn't be great news for you. <laughs> and then I said, but the good news is I thought about you the entire time. I was comparing this guy to our interaction, which was completely unfair to him because it was one interaction primarily one night and we had had all these other conversations and all these other times together prior to that. But the thing was, is that I still was comparing like, well, you know, just just like we'd had such warmth and there was listening and there was this friendship as well as, you know, the some other physical attraction. I was like, this guy I mean, the poor guy today, but I was like, we're not even on the same wavelength. <laughs> so we need to end this early. <laughs> and we did. I did anyway. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I went out and dated some, you know, you were da- still dating your mistress of the business of, uh, right? Uh-huh. Trying to make that all yeah, yeah, She was absorbing all my time and money. Yeah. You know, that, that, what I wasn't sending to my kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, so, and at one point, I think it's important that people know, I don't know if it's a, we broke up. I just yeah. went, I can't do this. I want to have more. You're not available. You can't be there. You're not ready. Uh, you know, it's, and I just had to, I remember it was very painful for me to do that. Yet at the same time, I was in such pain trying to hold on to that hope that I just said, screw it. I got, I can't, I got to cut this off. 
And in that time, at that time, it was the best thing I did for myself. And uh, and to get some distance. And it was for my heart to say, nope. You know, and I think that's one of the things. If someone cannot give you what you believe you need or want in a relationship, in relating, they can't give you the time. They can't, you can't have a relationship. You can't relate. If you can't have the time to relate, I mean, it's just, it's kind of 101. But you have to, uh, that's why I'm big on see things for what they are versus what you want them to be. And if you can accept what they really are, then, you know, you're not, I, I like, I'm setting myself up for heartache again and again. This is stupid, Mary. And so I cut, I cut it off. Um, but there's something about Mary and Bill. That's what I was thinking. Maybe that could be another movie because we did get back together. Yep, we did. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the index cards? Oh, I do. I definitely remember the index cards. <laughs> I had turned 40 years old. And, you know, it was like a big milestone and I was, I was with a girlfriend and I thought to myself, all right, I made like a declaration. All right. I made a declaration to the world, you know, in my mind. And I actually probably said it out loud, but nobody was there. And I was like, all right, I want a man in my life. I want a relationship. I want to share my life and these experiences with someone. And so it is now February, and I am proclaiming that by May, I'm going to have a man in my life. And I had recently moved to a new city, Richmond, Virginia. I'd been there on it. Well, it really wasn't that long, six, not even six months. I just, but I'm going to now put myself in situations there where I might meet that guy. But I said, I want someone in my life that at least I've met and I can start doing some things with and start to get to know. And then I decided, God, my heart still goes out to Bill. I'm, And we had started talking again. At least just talk, you know, because we had a really good friendship. It's a basis. And I missed those conversations. So we started talking again. And I decided I'm going to give you the first shot. This is his last chance. Right. That's it. So I called and I said, I got some good news. And you go, I remember you answered the phone. You said, oh, great. Well, what's that? I said, well, I'm not going to tell you on the phone. I'm not going to send you an email. You're going to have to come to Richmond. And you did. Yeah. It was like Thursday night. And you're like, you mean this weekend? I was like, huh, that's interesting. So quick, right? He was saying yes. And quickly, I was like, no, no, no. How about next weekend? So then it was the index cards. Describe what happened then. Well, what you did is you put together some index cards that were pulling out of me the answers you needed to have in order to make a decision. But one of the things that happened that that changed me was that uh, my mother had passed on just before that. And that she'd, um, you know, her last, our last conversation, she just said to me, will you, will you please be happy? Mm. What do you think she really meant? Why did she say that? Because you weren't? Well, because I hadn't been happy in 20, 25 years. I mean, I was having a good time, but, you know, mothers can see, thing, th- see, see things in their children that, that others can't see. And she was just like, you know, will you finally decide to be happy? And so Mary's invite was kind of tied to that. So that was part of being happy. So Mary had these cards put together. I thought this was kind of strange. 
but yeah, I played along. I mean, I, I was living in Atlanta at the time and I came up and that, uh, we went through these cards and, um, they were, it was, she pulled the answers out of me and it was also a pretty emotional time because mm-hmm. I was, I was pretty raw by then. So let me just describe a little bit more for every woman listening, because you can use this technique in some form or make it your own. The reason I did these index cards is I was a jumble of thoughts and feelings that I wanted to communicate to Bill. And so I just told him the good news. I have some good news. So I came up with this idea that I would get this stack of index cards. I don't know how many, because I don't know how many I would need. I just said, and at the top of each one, I wrote the good news is, and I literally had dot, dot, dot. And I forced myself to have with a jumble of ideas and thoughts and feelings, one thought or one feeling. So the good news is I now know what I want. The good news is um, I'm trying to remember you have the cards. <laughs> the good news is um, uh, I'm in the best place I've ever been, you know, something like that. So I did yeah. a lot of the good news is I sharing about how I was feeling and what I was thinking I I then had the good news is we, and then I had one that was like uh, a joker card, so to speak, but it was, what's your good news? So what's your good news? And what I did is in some ways it was like a data dump. Let me get all these things out, but one thing at a time. And then I put them in these index cards and I put a rubber band about them and I put them in my purse. And then when you came to Richmond, the first thing I did was I said, I want to take you. It was a Friday afternoon. Let's go to happy hour. And I took you to this one bar that was a neighborhood bar. And I was like, Bill would love this place. Just such as Which I did. It was, it, it's a bar. It's, it's a, a bar. bar. So we went and we we're sitting on, um, in this, you know, th- this bar with this big, uh, older, like 1952, you know, uh, wooden, uh, uh railing. Anyway, we're sitting there and um, after we get a beer, I was like, hey, um, I have an idea. And then if I pull out these index cards with a rubber band, you start laughing. And it was like, of course you do. And I was like, well, I didn't know how to share all these things. I told you I had some good news. You know, I felt like it's my responsibility. I'm the one that asked you up and I was the one that said I had good news. So I got to start this. And then I said, I didn't know how to do it, but I put them on these, I had these index cards. I just wrote one thought per card. I thought, well, why don't you just pick one randomly, read it, and then we can talk about it. And so they were like face down, like a deck of cards, and then you just like pick one. And that's how we did this conversation. Yeah. And it, I think it was a way that you and I could get in touch with one another again after many months and many things that have happened in both of our lives. And, uh, and you know, yeah, I was trying to figure out, is, is this a, is, should we go for it or not? Um, if, if, if it, even if it wasn't, I'd know why, right. I would yeah. have come to that. And, uh, I still remember the time where like, oh, then our appetizers came. And so I put them away and for a second, you know, for a few minutes and we're having, you know, our appetizer. And then you say, yeah, let's get back to those cards. <laughs> I thought, okay, he likes this. <laughs> it worked. Yeah. You're good at that. <laughs> well, I did it for myself as well as you, but it okay. I, that was where it really shifted for us. Yeah. yeah. Well, so, I, I think what it did is it closed the the gap. Mm-hmm. It for, did close the gap. For, and we both closed the gap for the yes. for the years that we were not close. Yeah. Years and months. So then it became the period of time which most people got to know us, and in Richmond because it was early on moving there. You moved up to Richmond. We, you know, we're living together. 
And before you know it, I mean, it sounds so funny to say, 17 years goes by. Yeah. We had a great time. Yeah, we did. And we had we lived in a great place. We lived in a great neighborhood. Um, everything about it was perfect. And it really wasn't perfect. They well, did, however, it, think you were Mr. Foley, which I compared to what I had it, compared to what I had been experiencing over the last couple of years. It was pretty close to perfect. And what was interesting was that the people who knew us well knew that we weren't married, mm-hmm. but the people who didn't thought we were married. And it was a bit, yeah. And I thought that was a great reflection of our relationship. But I remember like we were the very beginning. I'd never lived with a man. Thought I'd never live with a guy. No, I'm not going to do yeah. that. That's not how I grew up. Not I was raised. And of course, it became far more of the cultural norm and it was no big deal to others. But for me, it was that risk. Not about what others thought. It was the risk of here's somebody. I, I've not been with you 24-7, seven days a week. What's it really going to be like? Am I really going to like it? Is this whole thing going to blow up or not? I don't want to really go through another breakup. I don't really want to go through another heartache. But how am I going to know otherwise? Yeah. And and this is this is where, you know, the, you've got to be you've got to be brave. You got to have some courage on these. And, you, know, you know, if you're looking at a second or even a third relationship, you have to have the courage to do it. Yeah. Because if you don't it won't work. It, it's, you know, I'm not saying if you have the courage, it'll work, but you'll never know. And it may be the reason it didn't happen is because you made it not happen. Mm-hmm. And once we were into it and we were going, okay, like this is going to work, you know, we, we like it. It was also interesting. We, we had expressed to one another the way I look at it and remember it is about, we talked about marriage one of us would be on one page, other than be on another page. It was not a friction or a tension, like one person really wanted to get married and the other person didn't. Um, at least that was my sense. Yeah, but, uh, I agree. But um, as we were definitely growing together and uh, and we were committed to one another, so we weren't like, you know, going off with other people or something like that. We treated it as if we were married in many, really most, most dimensions, most ways. And what I mean by that most isn't, you know, if you, if you haven't actually gotten married and you don't have that certificate or you don't have that ceremony, then you really aren't. So I just want to say that it was a monogamous relationship where we committed to one another and we were, um, uh, that that's how we lived. But, uh, then, so, so it wasn't like it, we weren't, it wasn't a big part of our conversation. In fact, sometimes we have this one neighbor and he'd go, why aren't you guys married? And I would just say, shut up. Because <laughs> I was so, I was a little irritated by it. But that, and that, he loved know, irritating you. I think that's probably why he did it. Yeah. That's oh, right. he, he, he did. Well, you know why? He really yeah. liked you. Oh, that's it. Okay. Well, yeah. I was off the table. That's probably the deal. You, you're a better choice. He was unhappy he, about that. He was unhappy. Well, he has a great wife right now. So it's a friend. Oh, he sure does. Absolutely. So. He probably will never listen to this podcast, so we're cool. We don't even have to name names, so that's not the point. No, Joe will never listen to this. We'll just that. <laughs> yeah, that's right, Joe. A lot of people named Joe. So we ended up getting married three months ago. What happened? Well, I, I, you know, I'll give you my perspective on it. And as as we talked about it, one of the reasons why I didn't think we needed to get married it was around a, a need or requirement. Is again, I go back to all the relationships that I had seen that were married, 
they all had characteristics that I just didn't want to go through. And the thing is, they took each other for granted. Um, they, they they weren't compassionate for each other. They didn't overlook each other's faults. Um, you know, and so the stuff I had, I had um, regretted I didn't do. I saw in other people and I was just like, uh, the way I handled our relationship, I could get fired at any moment and be gone. <laughs> and so therefore it was true. I had, yeah, I know it's true. Anybody who knows you knows that's true. So what I had to do is work at it. And I worked at it much harder than I'd ever worked at any other relationship in my life. In fact, probably all of them put together. Now you told me that, which I was surprised at first, but then I understood more as I understood, you know, stories from your from the past or where you were at and 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 i understood that this was a much more deliberate effort on right. your part than ever before when it comes to a romantic relationship yeah and in 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 the big thing is that when you look at what marriage vows are those are yes and no mm -hmm. there's no gray to that that's a binary decision you, you you're going to do them or you're not going to do them so it was during the early part we have to say now of the pandemic party that in the first six months that we both in, independently and then i brought it up to you we, we both were feeling this hey we got each other's back but we should get married yeah there's this desire for a more permanent commitment what changed in you uh i i I didn't see any reason. I think the issue was that all the reasons why not to mm -hmm. were all gone or they were insignificant. And you know, my, my thought was, well, we couldn't get any closer if we got married, mm -hmm. which turned out to be not true. Well, we yeah, it's gotten closer. I know I didn't think that was possible after all those years. And I'd been working at it. I and was like, oh, and I can't get any closer to her. From your work and my work too, it takes two to tango, yeah. it's two to, to make it. Yeah, I mean, I felt like we were really close. Well, we were, it's not like that. It's just, and I think that really just shows love can continue to grow. And you don't yeah. necessarily know what that's going to, like, there's not a playbook for this, so speak, right? But the idea of there's continuous growth, um, I think is... It's not like you retire and then you go down. It's not like you're like, oh, reach. You know, we've been together 15 years. Are we going to be together 20 years? And like, that's that's going to be good. And you stop working on it, or you just don't. You, it, well, of course, you need to feel like you get some payoff from it, right? You need mm -hmm. to want to grow. Yeah. But for me, uh, you said all the reasons why not to get faded away. Um, for me, it was a little bit different. I um, was one day. It was you know, it was quiet. I. I spent some time in meditation and some prayer and I was just, you know, thinking and I was feeling and all of a sudden I just had this like flash of a thought and a little bit of an imagery um, that was if I died, I mean, like today and I go to heaven and I'm in front of God and, and, and you know, I'm getting a review of my life and he says, why didn't you get married? And, and really where I how I heard it was not a condemning but like an inquiry of like, or just curiosity and, and this sense of it probably would have been better if you did, because there's more there, but I can't give it to you or you can't experience it. 
And my first reaction was, because I was scared. And I realized in that moment, just articulating to myself, that I was still scared of something, scared of it. And it was based not on our relationship. It was a fear based on my first marriage, which was 25 years ago. And in that moment, I went, that's not good enough anymore. That's not good for me. It's just not good enough. I don't want that to be part of my life story anymore that I'm, I'm kind of stuck in that fearful mode and that, and and I, and I kind of knew it, but I kind of didn't to the extent that it was holding me back. And I just, that's when I brought it up to you. And I felt the the desire for the first time in 25 years to pursue it and to say, I got to deal with this fear. And as I started to deal with it, and it was based on what happened when I first when I went because of what I left. And, you know, the reason why I left my ex, that dynamic of abuse and stuff, that was not anywhere in our relationship. It was some of the stuff that because of marrying and because of the the, the lingering effect that I really uh, was holding back. And it was like not good enough anymore. Just didn't hold weight. And I think it really made me think, what are other areas of my life? that I just kind of got stuck in a moment of time and I haven't viewed it. So this was that one. And when I brought it up to you, you said, I've been thinking the same thing too. And it was a little bit of you and me against the world, you know, that song, you know, just like you and me against, but I kind of in this crisis of not knowing where this pandemic party was going. And even though we had each other's back, it's kind of like saying publicly, Hey, we're together. Don't mess with him. And here's saying, don't mess with her. Right. Yeah. And almost like this hedge of protection. And so uh, it took us a while to finally actually decide when, because again, do we, you know, we'd rather have it with family in person, have some of the people that are friends as well there. And we couldn't do it then. You know, we just couldn't do it in 2020. And in 2021, we had, there was revenge travel. <laughs> Remember that? The summer of revenge travel. And then yeah. another family wedding. And we didn't want to uh, at all interfere with that or have that young couple have their day because they already waited a whole year for that to happen. They had to postpone it. So, and then we moved and then it was like, let's do it. And so we did it. We put together, put it together in six weeks. It was a barbecue wedding. And some of the, we told our family and that we're going to have a, a barbecue or inviting these people. And then partway through, we're going to get married. And then uh, and then I said, I think we should tell our family. That was really strategically a good move. And yeah, that, that we had to do that because some of them wouldn't have shown up. They wouldn't have come as far as they did yeah, to go right. to a barbecue. Right. And so that's it became a mini family reunion. And it was a beautiful moment. And I uh, I still remember that. I love the. I love the casualness aspect of it, but there was a lot of deliberate coming together. Yeah. And uh, and our family was really, our families, both of our families, so supportive. Yeah, and, and I, would, I, w- I would say to you, there's two things that uh, you're highlighting there, Mary, and that is we're afraid of where our fears a lot of times are based upon the past. Yeah. And they hold us back. And, you know, I, I always scratch my head at that because I never met your ex. I only know the stories. But I was always thinking, good or bad, I'm about 180 degrees out from this guy. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so, but, but you know, the fear can incapacitate you. And then, and then the second thing is, make it fun. Yeah. 
I mean, the thing of the idea of the barbecue was that, yeah, about a third of the people, the family members that showed up knew what was going on because we had to tell them and it was probably proper. But uh, the rest of the people who came didn't know. Yeah. And of that two thirds, half of them knew that we were married, weren't married. And the other half thought we were married. I know. I thought that was great. What? You're getting married. They were like confused. Right? And so this guy, Joe, that had been bugging Mary. I worked on his wife to say he's got to be there. Yeah, we told her, right? Because they were because I I wanted to see his face when we did it. So the the part of it was the fun we had in it. Yeah, you know, and 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 because and this is one of the things as a guy you don't get, you know, you know, and women for a lot of women the wedding is huge and you got to spend tens of thousands of dollars and you got to do this and that. And as a guy, I'm going, yeah, we don't need to do all that crap. Mm-hmm. And so here we were having, in my mind, the perfect wedding. We're having a barbecue. We're inviting the people important to us. And oh, by the way, we're going to spring it on just about yeah. everybody right. and watch their faces and how much enjoyment they got from the surprise. Because when we said it, we didn't say we're getting married in a couple of weeks. We brought uh, the minister up, mm-hmm. the person who was going to do the service. And we did it right then, right there. Right. That's and right. it just kind of grabbed everybody. Mm-hmm. And we got to give a shout out to our friend, Ellen McElhaney, who uh, is, she w- she got certified by the state to do this. <laughs> yeah. So I can't say she's a minister, but she, she was definitely, yeah. uh, I think they call uh, a marriage ceremonial person. I can't remember. Something like that. Something like that. But um, thank you for that. Yeah, it was our style, wasn't it? Oh, uh, yeah. We're doing That's it. what they would expect from us. Yeah, that's exactly what they respect. And then. We felt like, you know what, we really do want to have a a, a a church service. And so we uh had to we were developing. It wasn't we didn't have the relationship in place at that time, but anyway, we we ended up getting quote married again, but we had our uh, in, in our home with the uh, Anglican priest and some of our family around. And you know, I think in some ways because it was an intimate group and because you know this was an ordained priest and just and our conversations with him before i honestly think that's when it sunk in for me yeah at a, at another level um and that commitment we were making to one another that commitment was there but it was i think the other aspect that you know we we don't have time to go into and it's it's okay but we put god in the middle of our relationship um, and, and, and we had been working towards that, or that had been happening, I should say for maybe four or five years, but this, I think solidified that. And I think there's something like almost supernatural that happens when two people say, I love you, I'm committed to you and I'm doing it in the, pre- not the presence in, in recognition, um, uh, not even recognition. I'm doing it before God, who is the author of love. And uh-huh. I think. From that, it's almost like I go, because we did that, we're getting this additional love download. <laughs> we're getting additional access to things that we we didn't know we could experience, you know, uh, and, and who knows where that's going to continue to go because we're only like three months in. But do you think that's a component? I mean, that's how I see it as, as yeah. why can we feel more than we did before? Yeah, and it, I, I think, to, and it would back to what I said originally, is I don't think a lot of people understand marriage in terms of the commitment 
what what you're really saying to what the commitment really is you know i was 20 just turned 22 just got out of boot camp and it i'm not going to say it didn't mean anything to me but it didn't have any significance like it does now well he, so and then but young. that's but, right but uh, but i you because i don't think you get it then no and so to right. me there there is a there is a religious or spiritual aspect to this that I didn't take into account the first time. Yeah. And so now it was, and that's how we wound up at the same place as I had been thinking about this in terms of, you know, this, this doesn't look good. Mm-hmm. You know, in the eyes of God doesn't look good that we should, you know, you know, we should do this. We should get married. And so that was, I was thinking the same thing you were thinking. Well, and, and I think the thing is, can be like, oh, did the church make you do it? Or did you feel like, you know, you no. were going to get uh, do chastised in any way or be judged? You know, like, God. and I think the thing is like, no, I flip it. It was God is love. He's the author of love. We, You know, this is biblically sound to say, make this commitment to one another. You were made, I made that so that I can pour more of that love into your human life and through you and so it was more like i want to give you more i want to experience more there's even more i know you can't even imagine it but there's more there and that's what i think that i had to shift and can consider that might be true so uh and, and, and you know we didn't i didn't care what anybody thought before we got married i mean if somebody said uh it's evil or it's bad i would have been like i didn't move on right well because I wouldn't, I, I, I really didn't care what other people thought because they weren't in the middle of our relationship. Right. And so, to me, what others thought was immaterial, except in this, in this case, when I was thinking about this more on a spiritual level, going, um, we need to do this because there's no reason not to. At that point, particularly, right? Yeah, and then also the issue is that there's probably some grace that we're going to gain that we haven't had that we that we're experiencing right so we're looking for love in all the right places now <laughs> oh that's right yeah you know mickey gilly didn't do that song i know all right well i've come up with five takeaways that i want to wrap up with okay? okay and uh i know you don't even know what these are so you can tell me if you think these are as well but it's a way of i was thinking is five takeaways that and this theme of of what we've learned about there is hope to love again, and there is um, hope to love m- more deeply. The first takeaway I came up with is we're made for love and there is hope for love again. We are, our lives are proof of that. And, right. um, you know, and, and, and there are 8 billion people in the world and you're telling me there's not a hundred million, 10 million, 1 million people out there who are not perfect for you. Yeah, yeah, I know. Eight billion people. I think. I think you could. I think there's somebody out there for you. I think there is. So, so you know, open yourself up to it. Uh, two is love doesn't always come into the package in the package you're looking for. I mean, you know, uh, I wasn't looking for it when you and I met. You weren't looking for it. Um, the other part of that is you're 12 years older than I am. And I would have been like, you know, it'd be great to be around the same age just because of all the other things that we live long life. But that didn't come in the package. So uh, and, you know, I can't I'm always looking up to you because you're 12 inches taller. So it's one inch per year is what I figured out. OK, Um 
But when it comes in, love comes in a package, it's unexpected, but it's also undeniable. So, you know, uh, let let your let go of what that has to look like. The third thing I came up with was a takeaway is you have to be willing to do the work on yourself and together. And yeah, that, I, I wasn't marriable 20 years ago. Yeah, the things that you told me, absolutely. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I wasn't marriable. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and I think it doesn't get easier, but we get better at it. Like the, we all, we, I, I, I'm, I'm still committed to, and have, I'm going to be, till the day I die, I mean, my intention is I'm going to keep working on myself. I want to keep growing. You can't do that for me. I can't do that for you. What we can do is, is I can urge us to do it together and, to, and for you to keep on your path of growth. Fourth thing is, since God is love, we need God in the middle of our relationship to make it amazing versus aw snap. <laughs> that was just a little play on words there on that. But, you know, it, it, it's we're imperfect. Um, we, you know, so therefore things like forgiveness and joy, as well as dealing with hurt. I mean, it's it's easier when you're in a place of love but also to have a source of love that's outside of ourselves or inside, you know, like I'm not depending completely on just my positivity because that would be hard and it falls short. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause not every day is positive. Not every occurrence is positive. Oh yeah. So here's in the last one, which is might be the most important that your number one job is to keep me laughing. And my number one job is to laugh easily and often. <laughs> I think that's a great note to close on. That is. That is. It's one thing for sure is that we keep laughing. And, and uh, I appreciate that about you, Bill. I work at it every day to make you laugh. You do. And I appreciate that you work every day to make me laugh. So I want to give you some encouragement by laughing easily and often. And when I don't, I am really crabby pants and I got to deal with myself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's one of my new rules. And that is I'm never annoyed or mad for more than an hour. Well, that's pretty remarkable. Pretty remarkable. That was not my personality years ago. Um, well, I've, I would uh, stew. You would stew. And so life is short. Act accordingly, right? That's it. <laughs> All right. I'm hoping that us sharing has encouraged some women out there and uh, and perhaps even a few men. And the idea here is just that everyone who is happily married or is happily, you know, coupled and connected. Um, keep keeping on. And for those who are feeling lonely and have been hurt in the past, just know that love is still there. And, uh, and, and you can have that either again, or maybe even for the first time, if it wasn't truly in your relationship. Um, we're not perfect. We just wanted to share from our personal experience and we hope that it was good for you. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, we'll be back next time on the Live Like Your Nail Color podcast. And now for the after party I call Flip the Chip, where I take just a few moments to highlight something from the conversation that can help us all flip a challenge or a difficulty that's holding us back into something more positive that helps us move forward. And what I want to highlight today are the five takeaways Bill and I learned from finding love again. One, we're made for love. And there is hope to love again. Don't give up on love and be open to letting it in. 
Number two, love doesn't always come in the package you're looking for. But when it shows up, it's undeniable. Number three, you have to be willing to do the work on yourself and together. No, it doesn't get easier, but you get better at it. So maybe in some ways it does get a little bit easier. Number four, since God is love, we need God in the middle of our relationship to make it amazing rather than ah, snap, (laughs) because we're imperfect. We hurt each other. So we need love greater than ourselves to be able to forgive as well as to feel deep joy. And number five, maybe this is the most important, just saying, Bill's number one job is to keep Mary laughing. And Mary's number one job is to laugh easily and often, you know, to appreciate him. Then just about everything is right in the world. Substitute your own names, you know, to apply. One of the essentials of living like your nail color is to leverage the power of choice. If you've listened to this podcast for a while, you've heard that idea again and again in so many forms. Well, love is one of those choices that you can make one step, one nail color at a time. I look forward to being with you next time on the Live Like Your Nail Color podcast. Thanks for listening to the Live Like Your Nail Color podcast. Ready to live and laugh more? Know a friend who could use some of that too? Then subscribe at livelikeyournailcolor.com or your favorite podcast app. And share this episode right now with the person who popped into your mind. Together, let's flip the chip to be stronger, smarter, and happier. Oh, 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 oh,